millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome, everybody, to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is our first episode of a brand new show. I'm your host, Tom or Robots, and you might know me from the other Lorecast shows like the Fallout Lorecast, Elder Scrolls, Dungeons and Dragons, Cyberpunk. There's a bunch of these shows. So if you're coming over from one of those shows, welcome. We're very excited to be doing this show um, because it's such an awesome universe and there's all sorts of fun things coming down the line for Mass Effect. And with me, my co-host and we'll call him our topic expert is Kung Fu Kangaroo. Kung Fu Kangaroo, what's up? How are you doing? I am doing fantastic apart from some technical issues. Uh, but I am happy to be here. Mass Effect is one of my favorite games of all time. My experience with Mass Effect goes back to 2007 when my brother picked up this quirky looking, you know, sci-fi shooter game uh, that he didn't think really anything of. And he came home and he tossed it on my desk and he said, hey, knock yourself out. And then I spent all night playing. it. Wow. Uh, and I remember I definitely spent way too long listening to the codex. I don't know if there's anyone else out there that did that, but I certainly did. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people did. Um, that was one of those things I dabbled in a little bit. I think I poked around with pretty much all the different bits and pieces of the game. Um, I came to let's 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 discuss this before we get on with the rest of the show. And and why don't I tease a little bit about what we're doing? First, we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves. I'll let you guys know who we are, why we're doing the show, why we might be the kinds of people you want to listen to doing a show like this. And then we're going to get into some topics. First, our first topic for the show today will be teasers and clues from the the teaser trailer some of the things that we can kind of tell about what might be coming for the na next mass effect game based on that and then our big topic on the second half of the show will be the question of if shepherd is alive or dead and we have some evidence in both directions and of course would love to hear your opinions about this as well there will be or there currently is a channel on the robots radio discord if you'd like to you know, share your thoughts with us and join the community, we've got a bunch of people on that Discord talking about the lore behind lots of different games. And um, there's also the Mass Effect Lorecast Twitter account, which you can reach out to us on. Um, and I don't remember the official, I need to go look it up again. What is the at, what is the official uh, location oh, of that? It's at Mass Effect Cast. That's us, right, because Lorecast didn't fit. Mass At Mass Effect Cast is it. So, um, so real quick, uh, my background with Mass Effect was coming from previous Bioware games. I had played other Bioware games. And when Mass Effect was announced, I remember it coming. Uh, gosh, I remember thinking like, wow, the graphics look really cool. This was this was like uh, Xbox 360 generation type stuff, right? This was like what well, this was one of the early games for that, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. 2007, I think, is when it was released. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that being a thing. I remember, um, for the most part, reviews were pretty positive about it, right? It was positive, but when Mass Effect 1 came out, it didn't have an immediate cult following. Um, and I think most people who played it back then can remember if you were into mass effect one, you didn't really know that other people were, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah. you, but you loved it a lot. Right. So the internet was the a, way it was for a few years. The internet was a different place. Uh, th- this was also during like the beginning of podcasts. I remember listening to shows like the giant Bombcast talk about this, uh, back in the day and talk about like the stories and the way the characters were and getting through. And, and some of the mechanics were, were rough in the first mass effect game. Um, but since then, uh, of course we've gotten three other games in the, we have the first trilogy and then Andromeda, which was, you know, clearly the, the least well-received of all the mass effect games. And the hopes are that the next mass effect that comes out will remedy some of those issues. Um, but I, the improvements in two, two, was the one that I dug the most. Um, And I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, I think two Mass Effect one was the perfect RPG and the perfect RPG. Wow, that is a really hot take. A lot of our Fallout fans are going to argue with you about that that. in some confines. I want to put that in some confines. So it's the perfect RPG for what it was trying to be. And then Mass Effect two came along and it became instantly more of a shooter with a cover based mm-hmm. combat system. Mm-hmm. I love mass effect one, but I gotta be honest. The combat was a little wonky. It was <laughs> um, It's true compared to two and compared to three. And I love the way that they, uh, the, they wrote in the explanation for why technology seemingly went backwards in the mass effect universe when they had guns that didn't need ammo. And then all of a sudden they all use thermal clips. Uh-huh. Right. right, right. Uh, so I love that they wrote in the explanation for that. But yeah, Mass Effect 2 became a shooter game and it was a cover based shooter similar to Gears of War, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but EA did did that pretty well. Yeah. And then three came up and wrapped up the story. And uh, just for 100 percent transparency on the show, Kung Fu Kangaroo is the topic expert here. He's the one who has played through all of the games in the series, he's he's spent hours and hours in the codex. He's dug into the wikis. He's done a bunch of research and those kinds of things. I'm here because I love the lore of games. I do many shows about the lore of games, but I'm not an expert when it comes to Mass Effect. I am somebody, on the other hand, that has um, a very strong background in uh, philosophy and religious studies and psychology and those kinds of things. So I like to take, especially like the moral quandaries and things that come up in games like mass effect and discuss those as well. And I'm going to be chiming in. I'll be doing some research on these and I'm hoping to play through them again when the remastered version comes out. But just to be hundred percent clear, I don't believe I finished one. I didn't get all the way to the end. I finished two. I started three, but got two hours in and then quit. And I'm sure our audience is going to be like, no, no, you can't. No, you quit the game. And I was like, I, I didn't get it when it came out. And by the time I got it and it came out, there were other games that were drawing my attention more. And that's it. I, I didn't play. I didn't play three. I'm going to have to remedy this when the remaster version comes out. So I will promise you when that comes out, I will play through it. So you got that. And then Andromeda came out and I never did play through it either. So I'm interested in learning more about 
the you know the depth of the universe but i've played the first two enough to know a good bit about the the history and the the races and those kinds of things and we'll be researching alongside kung fu kangaroo as we get through these topics as well so i'm kind of there for the ride for those of you who are in my seat and know some things but are interested in learning more and kung fu's there if you are in his his chair and you know spent hours and hours in the codex and if you're brand new to this and you're jumping in with say the remastered trilogy and you're not too worried about spoilers, then this could be a great opportunity for you to join in on that conversation as well. So this this show could work out for a number of different people. And we represent two of those groups. So so there you go. That's that's basically our background. Did I did I sum that up pretty well? I think you did. And uh, Commander Burton here in the chat has a pretty good uh, point that some people have played a lot of the games and they've played them like like maybe i have over and over again uh, but then there are the comics and the novels and the external media uh there's a ton and that can be daunting i think for a lot of even diehard gamers i have just started reading ascension i had it in my library on audible uh but i'm just now picking it up i'm going to listen to it um it's my goal to become even more thoroughly uh, acquainted with the lore <laughs> through the external media uh, that Commander Burton here mentioned. Um, nice. So I'm going to be working on that uh, while robots here uh, might pick up another playthrough. Well, I, I catch up on some other stuff as well. So we, we've got lots of time. There's so many topics to discuss. There's the world. The universe here is huge. And like um, Kung Fu mentioned we are live right now we're on the robots radio twitch channel twitch.tv slash robots radio and it's at 10 30 p.m 7 30 uh 10 30 p.m eastern 7 30 p.m pacific so if you'd like to join us for our live shows you're welcome to come join us and there are people in chat right now chatting along sharing their thoughts on some of the things we're talking about so that's the setup we will be doing this every week we're going to be bringing you the best content and asking you know some of the tough questions putting you in the shoes of some of the people, some of the, the dilemmas and decisions they had to make, filling you in on the background of some of the races, the situations in the universe. The And I especially am interested in the topics of things like what led to the events and the way the universe was was set up at the very beginning of the game when, you know, humans were new on the inter, you know, spatial, you know, world. Like there's a whole background of past races and their their influence on the universe and there's there's a lot of questions to be you know explored with all of that plus all the new games coming out so there's a lot of stuff for us to talk about so this week we're talking about the teaser trailer and i'm going to cue this up i'm going to put this up on screen here and for those of you listening it's only about a minute and a half long you can uh if you want to listen back through it you won't be able to see the the video but if you're um watching it this live you'll be able to see the video here and let's just take a look at this because there are some clues inside this video for things that might give us a sense of what's coming. So here, let me just go ahead and put this up on the screen um, and adjust it. There we go. Here we go. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, Roger, copy. Eagle Houston, you're a go for landing. Over. We need first contact protocol. Imagine now, friends, and partners of the Delta. Humanity now stands at the partners of the Delta. Protocol. 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 Protocol.
So that's it. Man, that is, the music in that is just great. I bet it's good to listen to on your car stereo or wherever you're listening to the podcast. So take us away, Kung Fu Kangaroo. There's some there's some hints in here, right? There's I mean, I don't know as much as you do about this universe, but watching this, I'm noticing like things in the background, things in the foreground, and I'm going, eh, that's that's that. And that's that's that thing. And wait, how does this work with this? So what's going on here? What can we surmise? Yeah. So let's address the uh, blue elephant in the room. The blue elephant <laughs> in the room. Liara. That is that is very clearly Liara in the trailer. And Liara, for those of you who don't know, is a main character. She is a popular love interest of both male and female shepherds in the original Mass Effect trilogy. Now, Liara's presence in this is pretty important uh, because in Mass Effect 1, she was barely more than a child. That's what the game says, even though she was about 106 years old then. And yet she's clearly recognizable in the trailer, meaning she hasn't aged that much for an Asari. Uh, So it can give us some clues about the setting. It can give us some clues about when this might have occurred. We know at least that it has occurred within... 100, 200 years of the end of Mass Effect 3. Uh, Now, I say within 100, 200 years because that's in Asari's lifespan. Uh, She clearly doesn't look like a matriarch yet, uh, which was the name for the older Asari. Um, But that's the first that's the first clue that we see Liara's alive. I think for a lot of original trilogy fans, that tells us, okay, we're returning to the Milky Way. Right. That's the other right. thing. So for people who didn't returning. jump into Andromeda, that actually was in Andromeda. That was in a different galaxy. That's right. And it takes so long for the people who are on the arcs to get to Andromeda. It takes 633 years, I think, uh, for them to get there. That it's just not practical to suggest that Liara would somehow make it to Andromeda. So she's almost certainly in the Milky Way. Right. Okay. So we're we're back in the Milky Way. We're dealing with circumstances most likely within her lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um and she doesn't That's look right. that old. So I mean really this could be this could be as much as, you know, a very short time period after Right. Mass and, Effect and, 3. and it's definitely not before Mass Effect 1 because as they stated in Mass Effect 1, she's a child basically. I mean, she's basically legally an adult for an Asari. Um right. So I really doubt this is taking place when Liara is technically a child. Okay. So what else, what else about the scene stands out? So if you can go back to the picture with Liara up there, um, and there is a few people in the background, mm-hmm. uh, one of which is a Salarian and another one looks like he could be a Krogan or maybe a Turian. Um, so, if uh, depending on if your shepherd cured the genophage, I think seeing a post disease Krogan race could be great. Uh, that could be really, really cool. Uh, but I think the presence of, of these three races, I think the third figure is a little ambiguous. Uh, you can kind of make that out on your own, but I'm pretty sure you can tell there's a Salarian mm-hmm. and a Krogan. So the first uh, so one you're thinking the first one is a, is a Salarian and the, the third is, right. is a I Krogan the from left to right. Left. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that I think that that's probably true. Um, maybe the center mean, one could be human. It could. I mean, it looks more humanoid than either of the other two. 
but then there are a number of other races that are more human shaped. So that's right. Yeah. And I think that this would indicate or at least strongly suggest that this is again in the Milky Way where all of these races are. Right. I'm having fun on screen uh, enhancing them. Enhance, enhance. I'm enhancing this picture as big as I can in the background. Of course, it's blurry. It doesn't actually get un- less blurry, but you guys can see it here. Okay. Yeah, that's that's yep. an interesting catch. Um, they're all getting onto some sort of ship, it looks like, or at least yeah, I, I have exited the ship. If I, if I remembered it right, they are on a mud skipper. I think that's what the name of that ship is called. Um, and it looks somewhat similar if people remember to ships that were seen around uh now i can't remember the planet's name of course but it's where the thorian was in mass effect one it looks similar to ships that were there um and ships that we saw in other places in mass effect one meaning this is again technology from the milky way Mm -hmm. yeah and this looks like the ship in the trailer that's flying through space toward the end of the trailer so i think we're to assume that this ship landed on this planet or moon or whatever it is, and that these people got out of it. Yeah, that is, I think, what we are to assume. It looks like an exploratory vessel. Clearly, there's no huge weapons on it. Um, so, so they're looking for something, right? And and what could that something or someone? Well, what could be? it be? Tell me. Well, I think <laughs> it has to do with the N7 plate that Liara picks up and so nonchalantly dusts off. Uh-huh. Uh, Timestamp on that, if you're following along, is 118. Yep. Um, so I think the yeah right there it is on screen. So the N7 plate is so on the nose to me. Um, how often have we seen N7 armor that is not associated with Commander Shepard? I mean, as awesome as James is. I don't, I, I doubt the next one is going to be all about James. Um, so, and the other in seven character, of course, in the series uh, that was so prominently displayed was the Pathfinder's father. Um, so you don't think it's either are, of them? I think, no, no, clearly not. I don't think so because the Pathfinder's father was of course an Andromeda. Um, and he, spoiler alerts, uh, <laughs> if you have not played Andromeda, you might not want to listen to this, but the Pathfinder's father, uh, of course, perished in the very beginning of that game. Right. So I don't think it's the Pathfinder. I don't think it's James Vega. Interesting. Yeah. And it's clearly broken. So it looks like they're finding the remains of something that was destroyed. That's right. Um, and Liara began she was introduced introduced to players in mass effect one as an archaeologist so digging up remains is probably something that she's pretty accustomed to mm-hmm. um now if we can go to the next one sure the next big clue that i saw <laughs> there's show notes show notes uh, here's the image <laughs> so and the next <laughs> big one that i saw was uh you can see three moons here there's three moons and one of those moons in the picture of Liara is quite close to the planet. I don't know about you, but that doesn't say earth to me. No, um, <laughs> this is not so, an earth image. Uh, they no, are on a snowy earth. planet. No, obviously earth has snowy areas on it. Um, and that close moon almost has a green tinge to it where yeah. the light hits. Yep. And the, the second moon has kind of more of an orangey reddish tinge. And the third moon is very far away. Um, but yeah, this, this doesn't look like Earth. No, 
uh, and it looks quite cold and quite icy. Um, it's so, Hoth. They're on Hoth. So this just in. when I saw this, Star Wars Mass Effect, same universe crossover crossover <laughs> where it turns out Commander Shepard was actually a Skywalker. Oh, God. Uh, he was a Jedi the whole time. Oh, man. <laughs> but I did think, you know, it's not Earth. But so then what could it be? Uh, so then I started racking my brain for where would an N7 plate be on an icy planet mm-hmm. that has three moons? Mm-hmm. And there's kind of only one option there. And that option is Alcara. And okay, so remind us, what, what is Alcara? Yeah. Alcara is where the Normandy SR1 was shot down and Shepard's body was recovered for the Lazarus Project. Oh, man. Spec 2. Oh, all right. So, yeah, no, we're like we're you're hitting on stuff that I I am remembering now as as we talk about this, because. So what does but what does that mean? So what does it mean? It means maybe maybe are we going to witness a game that takes place in the two years that Shepard has passed away? Oh, so this is like a in between coal. Right. In be- like in between the events of Mass Effect one and two. Does that make sense? Or inside? Well, no, or does that make sense? Well, I mean, okay. So from a, from like a storytelling perspective, if you, if you put a Mass Effect game there and we know it contains some of the characters from the other games, then it's going to be dealing with some of the, the issues that they dealt with, right? The main plot of the game will have some sort of evil bad guy climactic point that ties into and connects to those other those other games in the main story. But we know how the story, you know, we, we know what happens by three. We know that the, the odds and the, you know, the, the universe is at stake and all of these like we know how that stuff comes to a head. How do you make a game that's as important in the story and epic than the game that comes after it? chronologically that we already know the story like you get what i'm saying like i can see that that would be difficult yes but if you were to put this as an event that is shown in the game having taken place during this time period and maybe you play through some of that time period but then move on to another time period why does the game only have to exist in one time period it doesn't sometimes you in a story you'll you'll start here and you'll be like you know, the point of view character is this person and this part of the story. And then now you move to another part of the story. And now the point of view character is over here, right? That's right. And so that kind of brings me to my next point, um, because time is a huge concept in trying to decode this teaser. So <laughs> apart from the fact that Liar is clearly not wearing a like a facial breathing apparatus and mm-hmm. Alcara is has an atmosphere of methane and ammonia so she would not be able to breathe that so for all you people that are wishing that this is not true uh-huh. that this that this game is not going to take place inside mass effect 2 while shepherd's dead i think you can breathe a sigh of relief because if we go to the next one where there is a destroyed mass effect relay back earlier in the trailer right yep. well for everyone who played the original trilogy in all all of the endings the mass effect relays look destroyed and correct me if i'm wrong um but 
I believe in the extended cut DLC, they kind of explained that all of the Mass Effect relays were irreparably damaged or destroyed. And I know for a fact that the destroy ending, which was my personal favorite, <laughs> the destroy ending definitely, definitely destroyed them. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And so because, because we see a Mass Effect relay that's destroyed, that's a very golden indicator that this is going to be after Mass Effect 3. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's my initial thought, having seen you know, the trailer and, and the fact that you fly through, they, they very specifically fly you through a destroyed relay, you know, like, okay, this, uh, that's a, Hey guys, remember when this happened moment? Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't, mm, if the ship that's flying through space is that ship that gets on the ground and then picks up the N seven insignia, then the assumption there is that these two things aren't happening at different times. They're happening at the same time. And all of these events are happening post, Mass Effect 3. So, is there something else to find from the wreckage, from Commander Shepard's wreckage, that happened, you know, in, in the beginning of Mass Effect 2? Well, there could be. Um, <laughs> there could be, there could not be. And, and as far as I remember, in Mass Effect 2, there were about 20 crew members who perished along with Shepard. Mm -hmm. um, Joker was not one of them. Joker escaped. Right. But Navigator Presley did. So, interestingly enough, the insignificant quest of collecting dog tags in Mass Effect 2, when you go back to the crash site, could become pertinent. Uh, it could very well become pertinent to examining the location. Um, but there's also another sign in this teaser. Okay. And it's located at the timestamp one minute and five seconds. And I know we're jumping around here. No, that's fine, because uh, all of this stuff with me. Is, is important for different reasons. So, yeah. So, I think this is a, a pretty big sign, a pretty big clue. There's a Reaper that's visible in the background of the teaser. And oh, if you weren't watching super close, then you might have missed it. Right. I'm going to play now, this part again so you can see it in motion. Yes. Now, in this part, you can see Liara climbing what appears to be a mountain, but look behind her um, because there is a pretty important detail that, like I said, is is easy to miss. Right. Now, if you can pause it. Yeah, yeah, it's paused now. Um, so you can see in the in the distance, you see what looks like the glow of the sun through like a snowy or misty background, but shadowed in that mist looks like something that is shaped very similar to a very large arachnid or something, right? Multiple legs, uh, gigantic in size. What does that sound like? That's, that's true. And at 50 seconds, I believe. Um, and it, it, you'd have to listen to the audio, but at 50 seconds in this teaser, we hear the unmistakable fog horn like sound of a reaper's weapon being armed. Yeah, here we go. Let's listen to it. Is that it? No. That was 47 seconds to 55. I did not hear anything on my end. No. Um, um, oh, you can't hear it coming through your side. Um, I don't know if that's the right timestamp, but uh, if somebody wants to double check that, let us know. I'll take your I'll take your word on it, though. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Reapers being destroyed. Uh, that's, in my opinion, uh, a dead Reaper. Mm -hmm. So if we all think back to Mass Effect 3 
and we think about what endings we chose, there was only one that resulted in the Reapers dying. Okay. So for those and of us who didn't happened? play through Mass Effect 3, which, which ending is that? And what, what and does that... That was the destroy ending. Right. So how does that conclude? Like, what is, what is the culmination of that? What is the decision that yeah. is made? Sure. That was, so Shepard ultimately in the destroy ending listens to the spiel uh, from the catalyst and says, you know, I, I just don't care. <laughs> I'm still going to end the threat of the Reapers. And along with it, it's going to come with a heavy price. The, the price being the destruction of all AI in the universe. Mm -hmm. And so if you had a soft spot for Legion, if you had a soft spot for the Geth and you really did like to ponder, are the Geth people now that they have been unshackled, if that was what you chose, right? Um, then this was a very heavy cost for your shepherd to pay. But if you determined that any live Reaper was a bad Reaper, then you might've chosen the destroy ending. And so it would have destroyed the Reapers and all AI in the world or in the galaxy, excuse me. Um, and with that, that's the only way that the Reapers are going to die. Yeah. I remember this but, being highly debated, uh, among, uh, video game websites, podcasts, uh, the community. Um, there were a lot of people who, who got to the end of the game and they were like that we, I, that I have to do that. <laughs> and they were like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like having to make that decision. And it, there, it was highly contested. Yeah, and, and you know what? The, the, I, I applaud the game developers and the writers for this decision because up until that point, I think most players view destroying the Reapers as the Paragon option, right? I think most players think that is the heroic good guy thing to do, destroy mm -hmm. the Reapers. Right. And then at the end, they really mess with your mind. And now all of a sudden, that's the red option. <laughs> the yeah. blue option is taking control of the Reapers. Um, so yeah, I really do applaud the devs and the writers for that kind of total flip of script and get you to think about outside of, okay, this is Paragon. So I'm doing it. This is Renegade, Renegade. So I'm doing it. Right. But get you to think about what you really believe the right thing is. Right. Um, yeah. But, yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, I love, I love moral quandaries, this whole, you know, like there are all sorts of questions that come about in these games. And one of the reasons why I love playing through games like this is because they force us to actually in some way i mean obviously i'm not commander shepherd you're not commander shepherd but it, we still have to make that decision right and so it's like role-playing that decision in our own lives in kind of a little mini way you know and so you get questions like um you know the railroad question like if you if you you're at the railroad tracks and you've got to switch to switch lanes for the track and you see a train car coming down the track and it's aimed at a person and that person is your mom. I mean, it really doesn't matter, but somebody you're related to somebody important to you, let's say it's your mom and you have the option of switching the track so that the train train car doesn't hit your mom, but it now takes out three random other people you don't know. What do you do? Right? Like obviously those three people don't mean anything to you, but that's three lives compared to one life. These are the kinds of moral quandaries that we get, right? Like, is AI people? What's the difference between biological personhood and synthetic technological personhood? If things have self-awareness, does that make you a people? Do you have the right to make decisions for things that have self-awareness? You know, 
how do we treat animals? Like all of these kinds of questions are really interesting moral quandaries. And the elusive man was the perfect person to play devil's advocate. He was the perfect person to shine the mirror in Commander Shepard's face and say, are you going to be stuck in your ways, seeing the future down the barrel of a gun like Captain Anderson and really getting in your mind that way and thinking, Mm -hmm. well, hold on a second. Maybe all these things that I've been doing haven't been the smartest or right way to do things. And if I can remember right, that's the only time a game ever did that to me where I really had to pause and think, okay, where am I going with this? <laughs> right, right, right. I love that because I, I think that's, I think that's a wonderful moment to have. Uh, I, I think as human beings, we don't have um, those moments enough. There's, there's a word for oh, I, oh, the word fell out of my brain. This happens <laughs> late at night. I lose words, um, but there, there's uh, oh, it's like right on the edge of my brain. There's a word for when you when you can't when you have to hold two different concepts in your head at the same time and they butt up against each other and they, they don't work. You can't both be this and this at the same time and and be consistent. Right. You can't cognitive dissonance. Cognitive that, dissonance. That that's the word. That's yes. the word. Yes. Cognitive dissonance. You can't say I am a vegan and then also abuse your pets like right like the, the reason why you're a vegan is so that you don't hurt animals and yet you're hurting animals like right like that but, but this is a thing we do as humans all the time but not that we abuse pets as humans all the time but we often live with cognitive dissonance and don't even realize it because we will say i am this kind of person but then given the opportunity to make those decisions we don't actually make them or we make the opposite you know and and that's this right is, i think humans like do this all the time ourselves we like to fancy ourselves a certain kind of person until maybe some moments challenge that. And then when right. we feel that, that those moments are challenging our preconceived identity, it, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't no. feel good at all. No. And, and oftentimes we, we hold these conflicting beliefs inside ourselves and we don't know they're there until they're pointed out. And when somebody points it out, it's often easier to negate the cognitive dissonance by coming up with some sort of justification rather than changing our beliefs or our actions in order to ramify it. We justify it, you know, well, that's fine because of this. Well, it still doesn't mean that there's not dissonance there between those two concepts. You're just right. You know, then you away. get into moral relativity. Right, right. And, so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, well, that's a different body. We could, we could shoot all the way down that path. Maybe we'll hit some of those topics as we get to them. But, um, so, yeah. So where does this where does this leave us? So we know now because of the clues from the teaser, we know that the next game will be during Liara's lifetime. Mm-hmm. In fact, it will be during the earlier part of her lifetime. She looks pretty young. Yeah. It's going to be sometime after Mass Effect 3 because those relays are destroyed and that Reaper's dead. And it's also going to be inside the Milky Way. OK, all of these things sound like a sequel to me. It does. It does. So what about the planet, though? The planet, that is a real toss up. Um, In fact, I don't think that it's Alcara. I think it has some eerie similarities to Alcara. It could very well be. It it could be. But because of that ammonia uh, methane atmosphere and Liara easily breathing it, um, I don't think it's Alcara. I'm I've been racking my brain to try and figure out how Earth might get extra satellites post Mass Effect three, mm, <laughs> because that's yeah. so desperately what I want to believe. But I just can't. 
And so I think the planet might be a completely new setting. What if there was some sort of technological advancement that allowed her to breathe that without having to wear a mask? That would be some writing magic. <laughs> that would be some writing magic, but <laughs> that maybe? would be some writing magic, but maybe? it's possible. Yeah, I don't know. OK, well, OK, so we're going to leave that there. I want to hear what our listeners think. Please write us, let us know or show up during the live show, kind of chime in maybe on the next episode. Let us know what you think about this. Do you think we, we hit, we're hitting this on the head? Do you think that we're right? Do you think there's maybe some other stuff we haven't noticed yet that would clue us in a little bit more to what's going on? Um, but that's awesome. Let's it's time to move to the middle of the show. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back in a little bit with our main topic is Shepard alive. We've gotten a little bit hinting at that, but let's let's talk in, about that a little bit more. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right. This is the middle of the show. This is the part of the show where we get to thank you for listening to our show. First of all, thank you for being here, for joining us on this new adventure that we're going on. And if you would like to help us out, because launching a podcast is actually a pretty tricky thing to do. It's hard to find new listeners. You don't show up in search results. It's really difficult to grow a podcast. So if you want to make sure that we can keep doing this, then we've just got some very simple things to to ask you for. And it's not going to cost any money. We're not saying, hey, give us money. We're not saying anything like that. Very simply, if you have an iTunes uh, login, if you have an Apple login and you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes, then on a future episode, we will read out your five star review and say thank you to you directly for that. And secondly, if you happen to if you enjoy this episode and you enjoy the show, and you know anybody else that would be into the show as well, please tell them about it. Just share the show with some friends. If everybody who listens to the show shares it with some friends and everyone else shares it with friends, the show will continue to grow and we will have a, a wonderful listen, listenership and we'll be able to do this and keep bringing you more content. So that's all that we ask that those two simple things would mean the world to us and we would very, very, very much appreciate it. So. Um, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And we're going to get back to the main topic because I am ready to talk about Commander Shepard. Hey, friends, this is Robots, the creator of the Robots Radio Podcast Network and host of the two original shows on the network, the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. These two shows have rocketed up the iTunes charts. They both together have over 155 star reviews in only a couple of months with bite-sized episodes that take you step-by-step step through the background of the games in the game worlds. They're thought-provoking, well-produced, and a lot of fun. I recommend you go check them out at robotsradio.net or on any podcast, reader, podcatcher, whatever you use, iTunes, Spotify. Again, that's the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, available everywhere. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, it is time to talk about. I love, I love those voice clips. I love, I yeah, love hearing their voices that again. Sample is so good. <laughs> um. So okay. So what? What do we? What do we have for evidence here? Uh, is Commander Shepard alive? Obviously, spoiler territory. We we noticed noted at the beginning of the show. If you haven't played through these games or some of these games, there's going to be spoilers. So for the most part, we should assume that he's dead. Is that? Not or, so fast. Or not. Like, okay, so take me through not this. Not so fast. What, what do we so, have here? What we want to know is our character that we loved and put so many hours of our lives into creating, days even, <laughs> 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 and forming, is this person still around? And the answer is complicated. And so there's several reasons why and why not Shepard may be alive. Mm-hmm. No, p- pause real quick, real quick, real quick, because I want to I want to just ask a personal question because we're talking about Shepard and I didn't put this in the show notes. I'm just spitballing here. Did you have a male Shepard or a female Shepard or did you play multiple times and, and do both? So I never played a female Shepard. And in fact, when I replay through the series, when Legendary comes out, I was planning on playing a female Shepard because there's some bits of dialogue that never come up with male Shepard. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things about the game is that, you know, you have different relationship options and and things like that. So I did the opposite. I played a female Shepard. Because the male Shepard looks like a douchebag. I'm just I'm going to get I'm going to get angry messages. That's not the main reason. I obviously you could you could customize your shepherd. You can make him look however you wanted. And a lot of people like the way the shepherd looks. So I'll just but I, you know, anyway, but I played a female shepherd uh, a lot part because I often enjoy playing somebody who's very different from myself so that I'm forced to role play in these games and I don't just turn into me in the situation. Right. Um, and secondly, because uh, oh, the voice actor who does her uh, I forget her name. Jennifer Hale. Jennifer Hale is tremendous. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. She's and I was so like, nice. I was like, oh, I got, I got to listen to Jennifer Hale do this. So I'm going to obviously be playing as her. So, um, yeah, so that was my background, but let's, Speak, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Speaking of voice actors, Mark Muir liked one of my tweets one day and, uh, I about had to change my pants <laughs> because Mark <laughs> Muir, if for everyone who doesn't know, Mark Muir is the male voice of Shepard. And, Check out his Twitter. He does some really cool things. He's super into Dungeons and Dragons and this other nerdy stuff and stuff you would never guess just by looking at the texture uh-huh. like model for male shepherd. <laughs> <in the game. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, side note, little little known fact, uh, even though the show isn't up on any podcatchers yet, he's a big fan of the show. That's not true. I'm just making that up, but um, I can I can hope. Um, All right. So let's let's get into the nitty gritty here. It's complicated. Why is it so complicated? Sure. So one reason why Shepard is alive in the Mass Effect three destroy ending Shepard gasps for air 
after all is said and done. But you only get that scene if you did everything in a certain way. If you got your military uh, EMS rating, I think it was, or readiness rating, Mm -hmm. up to the maximum tier. And then after the credits, after everything settled, the camera panned and it showed a chest with N7 on it. And it's definitely Shepard. Um, mm-hmm. And he gasps, he or she or they, whatever pronouns you'd like to prescribe to your Shepard. Um, sure. Shepard gasps for air. Okay, so we, we assume we're looking at a dead body at that point. Again, for, pe- for people like for people who haven't played through this, like it, it, we, are, right. we are, we think we're looking at a dead body. And there's no breathing, and then all of a sudden, breathing. Right. right. So that makes and you go, oh, they're alive. It would make sense why Shepard would be dead because Shepard just endured uh, like galactic explosions. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know when I endure galactic explosions that I'm usually dead afterwards. So, all right. So it would make sense why Shepard would be dead. However, in an explanation of the necessity of the extended cut DLC, which came out as an explanation itself to the events of Mass Effect 3, that's how critically acclaimed Mass Effect 3's ending was and how much argument it caused. Mm-hmm. But when the extended cut DLC came out, there was a Bioware employee, um, Tully Someone, I, I think was the employee's name, but they confirmed on an official Bioware forum that Shepard does indeed live in that ending that seems pretty confirmational right so assuming confirmation that that's the the same ending and if the reapers or i'm not the reapers the the, well the reapers are blown up and then also the relays right then Mm -mm. then we're looking at the destroy ending and that all ties together Right. And so that's the very basis of the question, is Shepard alive? First, we need to identify, is there any ending Shepard live? And that is the only one. Mm-hmm. The other ones, control, synthesis, Shepard's not alive. Shepard in the control ending becomes something greater than himself in a very creepy type of monologue after the game. <laughs> um, Shepard goes on and on about how Shepard has become a god. And how and and please excuse me. I'm I, I've been using masculine pronouns for Shepard, but that's just that's because that's you play my through. experience. Sure, was. sure. Yeah, that makes um, sense. But so Shepard goes on and on about how Shepard had become a god through the control ending, mm-hmm. something greater than humanity, something greater than all living beings to protect them. And in the synthesis ending, Shepard combines all synthetic and organic life as the framework for the new DNA. So Shepard is disintegrated. There's no way Shepard's alive. So there's only one ending in which Shepard lives. That's the Mass Effect 3 destroy ending with enough readiness. Now, the armor that Liara finds, like I said, is almost always associated with Shepard. So it seems just cruel and misleading for EA Bioware to show the N7 so prominently in a teaser just for that game to have nothing to do with Shepard. I don't think that's the case. So that's another point for yes. Okay. All right. Um, counter counterpoint to that would be counter- what if it had to do with uh shepherd's remains and a story that was based around something having to do with recovering his remains or something like that yeah and you know i think there's a point that goes hand in hand with that um about wh- okay so why would liara be trying to gather shepherd's remains right right well 
like I mentioned earlier, Liara is a popular love interest for both masculine and feminine shepherds. So it would make sense why Liara is searching for Shepard, just like how um, if she was a love interest in Mass Effect 3 in the Destroy ending, she lowers her plaque uh, before putting Shepard's name on a wall uh, <laughs> to commemorate his death or her death. Um, Liara lowers the plaque, looks up as if to say, Mm-mm, not yet. Yeah. And then the Normandy takes off as if on a mission to find Shepard. And so, man, that would tie in to that teaser. Yeah. Like, no gap at all. <laughs> right. Right. Not to mention, like, even if you didn't romance her, having positive relations with your crew, you know, I mean, let's take a look at like any good sci-fi fantasy story, right? Like you lose your leader or a beloved member of the crew. And then the crew vows, we will find them. We will put their remains to rest. You know, like, like they're our friend. We've, we've gone through all this. We fought this all together to not at least search for their body. You know, like that kind of story is pretty typical. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people might be asking why Liara, why is Liara of, if it's not about the love interest thing, why is Liara the chosen squad mate who makes it into the external media to tease the next game? And there might be a pretty simple reason for that. If Bioware and EA don't want to decanonize anyone's endings, if they don't want to decide that, you know, well, you know, you, your decisions resulted in, in Miranda's death and, and yada, yada, yada. If they don't want to delegitimize anything, mm -hmm. any of the decisions you made along the way, Liara's the choice. Because although, you know, I didn't know this until looking it up, but apparently no matter what you do in any of the games, Liara's the one constant. She can't die. You can go ahead and oh. try, but she can't. Oh, she can't die. Interesting. Cause, uh, my, <laughs> I'll, I'm not going to explore this, explain it this episode because we've got we've still got a few more points to get through and I don't want this to be like a super long first episode. Uh, but th yes, there are certain deaths that occurred in my playthrough of, of Mass Effect 2 that were very uh, poignant and ironic. And I and I've always wondered, like, was did it have to work out like that? Um, but yeah, that's interesting that she's one of the characters. Is she the only character that can't die? I don't know if she's the only character. But she but I she definitely can't. Yeah. She definitely can't, and she has impenetrable plot armor. Okay. So that seems um, important then. Like so yes. therefore, if she shows up in the in the teaser, then it makes sense that she would be the one to show up in the teaser because obviously she Yeah. She still exists for everybody's version of the story. Could she have been purposefully preserved for posterity mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. future games? I don't know. That's something only the writers know. Maybe it was just happenstance. <laughs> But another reason why I believe that Shepard is alive has to go back to Liara. And it's because, like I mentioned earlier, Liara couldn't possibly be in Andromeda. It took them, it took the Pathfinder and the Settlers too long to get there, meaning that she's in the Milky Way, meaning that this is the Milky Way after Mass Effect 3, and there's a destroyed Reaper. And there was only one ending in which the Reapers were destroyed. Right. So and all that stuff connects there. In which Shepard lives. Right. So right. it all connects. So if she's if she's and not in Andromeda, they're telling a, a Milky Way story. And so all of these things point to that being the ending. So therefore, this story. Yeah. 
That's right. Um, and so now I'm going to go with no. <laughs> okay all right so after all of that you've now you've i'm like I'm, I'm on the verge like this is very convincing i'm like yeah totally he's totally still alive he's gotta be still alive but there's still reasons why he's not alive and i've got like my first thought on this is just from the perspective of we've already told his story or their story let's 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 use non-gender like we've already told their story Commander Shepard's story has been told. It was wrapped up, right? Right. And why, Bioware was why bring quite clear about that. Yeah, why bring they them back? They were quite clear about Mass Effect 3 before it even released. Bioware was very clear. This is the ending of Commander Shepard's story. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe he's not alive. Maybe he's not alive. And to break the fourth wall, and in fact, to shatter it, <laughs> Shepard's survival canonizes one of the endings. As a company, Bioware and EA have taken great, enormous steps not to step on any player's toes in external media that they have produced for the game. Like actively including masculine and feminine, Paragon and Renegade, of Shepard in, in tweets, in Facebook posts, in YouTube videos, in promotional art, everything. They have taken great steps not to decanonize anyone's experience because if you're a company producing an RPG, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to make someone feel like their choices were less than optimal? Right. In fact, Andromeda's entire setting is evidence of being inclusive to everyone's shepherd because it made shepherd irrelevant. Right. They didn't need to deal with that issue. They could talk about other things. Right. Yeah. And so shepherd's survival just would, you know, it would decanonize the control and synthesis endings to mass effect three. And that's two of the three, I'm sorry, two of the four options. There's a fourth option um, where you can reject the catalysts options and say, no, we can win this war conventionally. Spoiler alert, it doesn't end well. <laughs> it doesn't. You lose. Um, and there's a beacon that Liara leaves for the future. But so would Shepard's survival would decanonize half the possible endings and maybe half of the entire fan base. So for business decisions of bringing mm -hmm. the maximum amount of fans to the series versus alienating some from the original trilogy, the trilogy which gained Mass Effect's cult following that wouldn't be good for canon storytelling. Then that would also mean though, that continuing with her story post ending of mass effect three would force them to canonize an ending. Even if Shepard's dead, it would. So that would it mean would. that so what we're seeing there is not her or is not her post mass effect three, which would go back to the, maybe this is during mass effect two theory. Yeah, but yeah, we see so the, we, we think, see the blown up Reaper and like, how does that other stuff fit? So wait, wait, wait. OK, so l this is like a puzzle. This is like a logic puzzle, right? If blown up Mass Effect Relay means all Mass Effect Relays and blown up Reaper means that ending, then we have to end up with a story that is post Mass Effect 3, which means that they have to canonize an ending. That they're willing they to do to. so. Or they're somehow going to avoid that whole topic and yet still have a game that happens after that in the Milky Way without ever 
addressing that? I don't think that's possible. Unless the new player character was the Volus who was convinced that he was a god. Um, <laughs> I forget his name. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> but hmm. Six Sense here says in chat that Knights of the Old Republic, great game if, if anyone hasn't played it. Knights of the Old Republic has a canonized ending, though, also made by Bioware. So that could mm-hmm. and probably would happen eventually. And I'm so glad that Six Sense brought it up. Drew Karpashin wrote the story of Knights of the Old Republic and the epilogue book. Karpashin was one of the original writers of Mass Effect 1. And so for all prolific readers and fellow writers out there who played Mass Effect 1 and then noticed a distinct difference in the writing of Mass Effect 2, that might have been why. Yeah. I'm sorry, it could have been Mass Effect 3, but somewhere along the line, Karbishin left. He left the project to work on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks, Six Sense, for bringing that up. That's very, it's, it's fourth wall breaking, but it's important to note. Um, but about canonizing and decanonizing endings, I would personally love to hear from fans, maybe in the chat or through email, if they would play a game that decanonized their chosen ending for the original trilogy. Um, I think from a business decision standpoint, Bioware, let's 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 break the fourth wall again. Right. Not an in-game in-universe standpoint or viewpoint on this, but a uh, Bioware is a company that has to make financial decisions in order to stay a company and survive and continue making games and employ the people that they're employing. Right. And make money for their their board or whatever. Um, If they're between a rock and a hard place and they're going Andromeda didn't do as well as we wanted it to. And people weren't super into the whole going onto another galaxy thing. What did people like about Mass Effect? People liked Shepard. They liked Shepard's story. They liked it being in the Milky Way. They liked it having to do with Earth. They liked the characters that were there. Wouldn't it make more sense to continue that story? And if the one thing that gets in the way of that is, yeah, but we told them we're not going to canonize an ending. That seems like the likely thing that gets, you know, like shot and put in the closet, <laughs> you know, like, like, like if all of those guys are in a room together and, then, and, 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 and that's the guy who goes, but wait, we decided not to canonize an ending. That's the guy that gets thrown out the window. Right. And the rest of the rest of the guys at the desk go, all right, onward with Mass Effect, <laughs> you know, now that we got rid of that guy, that's kind of the way yeah. I feel about this is that like, for the most part, people will forgive that if they can get more mass effect that they like whether that includes a, li- a living or dead shepherd they still get more mass effect that they like right yeah and i agree and i, I was thinking about that you know that i would love to see the internal emails between like the writing team and the business guys it's got to be hilarious but yeah um <laughs> going back i think there's a couple you know final points that bring us back around into the question is shepherd alive Liara's presence, because she cannot die, does not canonize any choice at all. It doesn't canonize anything. And so when you think about that, you're like, wow. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So she makes a cameo appearance in Andromeda. It's very clear that the writing team has wanted to keep Liara around for some reason. Right. And like we've already mentioned, there's a Reaper in the background of the teaser and yeah. Mike Gamble, Mike Gamble, that name might sound familiar to some fans because he was a producer on the mass effect, uh, trilogy. 
Well, he confirmed this via Twitter, and he said that that is indeed a dead reaper. Well, there so you go. my final verdict. Yeah. My final verdict. Shepard is alive. So that's this is where you're falling on it. Shepard is alive. Shepard is alive. Are we going to be able to play as him? I don't know. Or them. <laughs> Not necessarily. I have no idea. That is a separate topic. But Shepard is alive because they have seemingly canonized the destroy ending in which Shepard lives. Okay. So according to Mike Gamble, destroy ending will be the canon ending, even though they said they weren't going to canonize an ending. They've decided to do that. And that means that he's still alive because that's what the R is looking for. No, I don't want to put words in Mike Gamble's mouth, but what Mike Gamble said was that that is indeed a dead reaper. And so what we can extrapolate from that, like you right. just said, right. was that. Right. Yes. Okay. So destroy ending. Shepherd. Here's what I would expect. If I was the person, if I was, if I was in charge of this, the writing team and I was like, okay, this is where we're going. Destroy ending legit. This is the teaser. Are whether Shepard is alive or not, I would expect that we do not play as Shepard. I would expect that I we would agree with that. that we play as another character who is going to tell their story over the next trilogy or whatever. Um, and there's a continuation of the crew, the people that are involved in this, and you are somebody. Um, someone mentioned in chat, maybe, uh, daydream, uh, daydream or Nick in chat, you know, like, I don't know if it may, I'm looking back through, I'm missing stuff. Um, somebody in chat mentioned it a little while ago. There's a lot of stuff going on in chat that, uh, you know, what if it's, what if Shepard's kids, what if, what if you're, you're taking care of Shepard's kid and bringing him to go, you know, find the, their father or the body of their father in order to put him to rest or, you know, something like that. And maybe you play as his child, maybe. Um, I think it would be interesting if you're just somebody else, because in Mass Effect one, you're just somebody right? right? Like you pick a little bit of details about your background. You end up becoming an important person. You've got to climb your way up. You've got to make these decisions and prove yourself to a lot of people who don't think a human can be as important as you are. Right. Like, yeah. And, you know. Choosing the background was one of my favorite things to do in Mass Effect 1. You choose a background, you choose how you grew up, you choose a psychological profile off of things that happened in Shepard's career before Mass Effect 1. And so for that reason, I don't think that Liara is going to be the next player character because so much yeah. of her background is already decided. Right. It's, right. Just or- it's already decided. It's already right. written. Right. And, and um, the freedom so of these games is to role play yourself, your own character in the way that you want, rather than going, well, I've, I've known Leora over three games. These are the decisions that she would make. Like, uh, there's that's not the same thing. Right. Like, right. I, I think the success formula in this is give us a universe that's familiar. Give us some characters that come back that give us warm fuzzies to talk to them again. But let us make a new character. Let us be somebody mm-hmm. new. Let us pick a new background. Let let the the future be 100 percent open and whatever Shepard's decisions were, those were Shepard's decisions. We have a new situation with a new person and new people that we're going to meet. And it's going to be important and it's going to be huge and we're going to uncover more things about the universe and there's going to be stuff that there's going to be fallout from Shepard's decision, both good and bad. And we're going to have to live with that and we're going to have to figure out how to move move forward 
and that's going to be the new game. I think that is the the formula. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, with Shepard being alive, I wouldn't be surprised to see Shepard as an NPC in the game. Um, sure. Very easy. They ask you a question at the beginning, you know, did you play a masculine or feminine Shepard? Oh, and yeah. And they use the default, you know, uh, texture right. well, from that. They had the technology you know, to pull things in from other games if you previously played them on the system or whatever, right? So they could exactly, even they yeah. can even do that. Um, what was it with the uh, Dragon Age games? You could play you play through that uh, browser where you answer lots of questions to say, like, this thing happened. What would you do? And you can answer the same things that you did on previous playthrough and it would build a like a file that you could then connect to your game right through the connection to the mm-hmm. website or whatever that would then let you pick up from where you previously played through. So, yeah, they've got the yeah. way they've got and, ways to do that, you know, you know, Post Mass Effect Three Shepard could be like this sage <laughs> for advice, you know, for the new player character, and that would be cool. I'd love to see that. Um, right. I think that would be and like letting Shepard just settle down and and like seeing Shepard in a more domesticated role. I think would do like Shepard justice because at at this point he she they has earned it. Yeah, and they don't even have to be in tip top shape either. It's not like right. it's not like we have to bring them back into like full fledged, regular, you know, fit and ready to go shepherd like they, maybe they're wheelchair bound. Maybe they're maybe they're, you know, barely hanging on to life through, you know, being plugged into machines. But they're there to say, you know, like, you know, carry carry on. We've still got to make we've still got to do our best, you know, like they're there to inspire you and, and you know, or whatever. Um, so, right. And let, let's not yeah. forget that, you know, wheelchair bound, gray haired shepherd. Liara is still going to look the same. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, this is Liara like, is this is like some different. elf and man Lord of the Rings stuff <laughs> going on here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Aragorn gets old, but <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, oh, man. I'm, I'm very interested in this now. All right. So I think next game likely to be in Milky Way after Mass Effect 3, perhaps in a new setting, a few new planets. Shepard is alive but is not the player character. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to find out what happens. Uh, I would love to hear other people's thoughts on this because you know, you know, somebody's going to come out there and you say, what about this thing you guys didn't think about? And we're going to go, and our brains are going to explode again. Um, man, that's great. All right. So, so where do we go from here? Where, what do you think we're going to delve into next week? So next week, I don't know about, all of you listeners and everyone in the chat. But next week, I think the first contact war would be a great place to start delving in to a weekly topic of lore. Uh, Mm -hmm. The first contact war is, of course, when humanity encounters the Turians for the first time. The Turians refer to the first contact war as the Relay 314 incident. (laughs) So it was a war for us, but it was an incident for them. Oh, it was a police action for them. And and you got to love the con. Because that's the, what the writers called it. The writers literally referred to in the Turian perspective as it being a police action. That's awesome. That's awesome. The irony is, isn't wasted at all. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, great. So, okay. Yeah, I think the first contact war would be great. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the first contact war. There's tons of stuff that we can talk about. Um, again, I would love to hear your thoughts on any any specific topics you think would be really cool for us to cover. 
Um, we'll probably take things in fairly broad strokes and get more and more into the nitty gritty details as this continues to go on. Um, you know, the, the same way that you would say in like, you know, teaching a lesson about something or going over details. Um, so again, there's there's tons of stuff to get through. So I'm, I'm very excited about where we're going to go with this. I hope you guys come along for the ride with us. And thank you for being here this week. Thank you, chat, for being here. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, make sure that you come back and join us live for the future episodes. Again, that's twitch.tv slash robots radio. And this show will start at 1030 p.m. Eastern, 730 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights. Uh, at least that'll be the schedule for for this part, you know, going forward. Um, and that's what we got going on and also again just a reminder if you like the show please tell your friends leave a rating a review let people know hey this is a good thing you should you should check it out especially if you're getting ready to jump into the remaster version and you want to be thinking about all the juicy lore bits and all these questions and who knows as we get closer and closer to the launch of the new game and and more video you know teasers and, and things coming out so we'd love to have you along for the ride Kung Fu, do you have anything going on that you want to share before we head out? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I just want to say that I'm really psyched about this Lorecast. I'm very happy to have it started. And from here on out, I'm going to be replaying the entire Mass Effect trilogy ahead of the Legendary Edition release. And that's May 14th. And I'm going to be streaming it. So for anyone that would like to watch and maybe decide whether or not they want to get the legendary edition, go ahead and follow me on Twitch. Uh, that's Kung Fu underscore kangaroo. Um, and you can go ahead and add me on Xbox too. That's just KF space kangaroo. I'm going to be uh, streaming that on Twitch when I can. I'm probably going to be most weekdays at around 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to be playing, replaying the entire Mass Effect trilogy from scratch. And so, you know what? Uh, I'm going to start that tomorrow and we're going to do it from scratch. We're going to make a brand new character. I'm not going to do the default Shepard appearance. So mm -hmm. whoever wants to be around for the character creation, that's always fun. Uh, that'll be a blast. How, how about you, Tom? Uh, can I make a recommendation when you do this? Yeah. Uh, can you make the goofiest looking character <laughs> possible oh yes ugly shepherd <laughs> ugly, ugly shepherd i went fun. like messed up looking ugly ugly shepherd i don't remember like, the boundaries of the character creation but i'm pretty sure you could get some really goofy looking stuff in there it's not like oblivion uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous uh but yeah you can get some pretty hilarious looking shepherds and i'll just commit to it now uh this playthrough is going to be a female shepherd or a feminine shepherd so awesome awesome that one is not negotiable that is a new that, that's the rule for that good very cool very cool yeah go check go check him out on that stream that's gonna be fun because you could man you can talk about lore stuff while you're playing through the game you can have there's all sorts of fun conversations that can be had while playing back through those games um i'm going to save my playthroughs until the remaster version comes out because i want to experience them in all their uh beautiful refined graphical glory and will eventually probably be be streaming those as well at the robots radio twitch channel um so you guys are welcome to come join me there for that i regularly stream games in the afternoons uh 3 30 p.m eastern uh noon 30 pacific um during the days and then sometimes in the evenings as well and if you want to check out any of the other lore cast episodes uh or shows if you're into fallout elder scrolls dungeons and dragons or cyberpunk those all happen in evenings as well um sunday nights cyberpunk happens before this show and on thursday nights are the elder scrolls and dungeons and dragons lore casts so come hang out for all the fun shows go check out kung fu's playing of, of mass effect 
and be here for all of it. There's a huge community. Robots Radio is a big community. We're doing lots of things. We're having regular community get-togethers on Saturday. We just played Among Us. There's all sorts of fun things to plug into. So join the Discord. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, you can just search Robots Radio Discord. It comes up on the top of Google search. I mean, there's all sorts of things you guys can plug into. So we love that you're here listening to this with us. Thank you so much for joining in. And man, I am excited to get into more and more deeper stuff with the lore and, the, and some of the things that I don't know about yet. I don't know what I don't know. And that's what's fun about this is that like there are things that, that Kung Fu knows about this stuff that I don't know yet that are just going to be awesome, juicy things about all these different aliens and the history of the universe and all that stuff. So I'm very, very excited. Thank you for being here. Kung Fu, this was an awesome episode. Thank you for being here, buddy. Hey, loved it. Loved it. Had a, had a blast. Thank you, chat, for being here. Uh, always love interacting with chat, and I will uh, look forward to interacting with chat during the streams. Awesome. We'll see you guys next time. And until next time, stay safe out there. Don't crash your spaceship or whatever. I don't I need a better exit for that. All right. We'll see you guys later. See ya. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.